Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Today's scripture comes from John chapter 17. If able, could you please stand? John chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see your glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me, we may be, we may be in them, and I in them. The word of God for the people of God. Our passage today is bringing up the rear of what I would call Jesus's farewell tour. If you were looking at a red letter Bible, one where the words of Jesus are printed in red, this passage is at the end of nearly four chapters of solid red. Jesus has taught about being the way, the truth, and the life, about what it means to abide in Christ, to love each other, to love our enemies. And then we get to chapter 17, and Jesus starts to pray. And in our passage today, towards the end of this prayer, Jesus prays for us. Can we just pause for a moment and acknowledge that Jesus prayed for us? Prayer is one of those things that is intimate. We pray to God, offering up things we might not say to anyone else, the things that are on our hearts, the things that we find most important. It's a conversation with God that draws us into deeper relationship. And Jesus prays for us. He prays for all those who believe because of the disciples' word. Now, I don't know about you, But I think whatever Jesus is praying for me, for us, is probably something we should pay attention to. These are the things that were on his heart, the things that he found most important. And there are two main themes that I want to pull out of this prayer passage for today. Oneness or unity and love. So first, let's chat about unity. I think the reason Jesus prayed this prayer instead of lecturing the disciples about the importance of unity is the fact that it does not come easy. 
it's a spiritual work that calls for us to be intentional. Unity is not something that just happens. It takes work, hard work. It's founded in unconditional sacrificial love and it requires grace and forgiveness and compassion. With all the division in our world today, it's clear that unity is super hard to achieve. Jesus is praying over us a pretty difficult task. Reflecting on our culture and faith and unity this week, it really got me thinking. It's one of those churchy things that we talk about, that we know we're supposed to strive for, but as a church, as a denomination, we're struggling. I mean, politically right now as a country, unity as a value is laughable. And I start to recognize the areas of our lives where we try to project this false sense of unity. We want to look like we're unified on the outside, but then we pull back the curtain and it's a different story. Putting on a fake smile and nodding in agreement is not unity. People in power pushing their agenda is not unity. Though Facebook might disagree, having a common enemy is not unity. This oneness or unity that Jesus is praying for goes much deeper. You see, the ultimate unity of the church, and when I say church, I mean both the one holy apostolic universal church as well as local congregations. I mean the body of Christ here on earth and all the company of heaven. So the ultimate unity of the church does not come through human maneuvering, but only through oneness of God. Jesus is not hoping that we will be unified just for unity's sake, but so that the world might know and experience the love and unity of the triune God. The unity of the church is an expression of the gospel itself. Our faith summons us to this unity because our oneness strengthens our witness just as disunity undermines the gospel of reconciliation. We often too quickly forget that the church is an extension of Christ's work in the world today. Which means that everything we do sends a message about who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. If we are divided, if we're arguing and defending and fighting and bickering, slandering and criticizing, then what are we telling the world about the gospel? We need to continually remind ourselves as a people of faith that we all have an equal seat at the table. There is no second-class citizenship among the people of faith. If we are one in faith, then there is no reason we should not also be one in life and worship. Okay, Jesus, but how? Well, the unity for which Jesus prays is founded on the second theme that I found in this passage. Love. Love is mentioned five times within these six verses. Jesus names love as the key descriptor of divine relationships. 
Love is the bond within God's self. Love is the divine gift to the disciples. Love is the magnetic grace which God uses to woo us into relationship. Unity comes from the kind of self-giving love seen in the life of Jesus. A mutual and reciprocal love that is a love that is as much a decision and a choice as it is a feeling. It's the kind of love that can be commanded. A love that is easy and graceful while also hard and sacrificial. A love that is sometimes given even when it seems to be undeserved. This is the love that keeps loving without reservation through the rebellion and rejection, through every hill and valley of life. And here, Jesus prays that his disciples and that all future believers will be unified by such love. Love requires commitment, and commitment means work. Leaning into this life of unity and love takes a lot of work. I have a pastor friend in Mississippi who has a little sign on her desk that says, work in progress. And I asked her one time why she had that little sign on her desk, and she said that it really served two purposes. One, she hoped that it would combat the common misconception that pastors only work one day a week. And that if you show up to her office on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., there probably is, in fact, work in progress. And two, that though she is on the journey to being made perfect in love, she has not yet arrived. She is a work in progress in need of the constant reminder that grace and love and ministry is a lifelong journey. Love requires commitment, and commitment means work. Jesus prayed over us some pretty high expectations, and we are all indeed a work in progress. This life we do together is messy, yet beautiful all at the same time. And this morning, I'm especially grateful for the moments in life where the kingdom breaks through and we get to experience unity and love in ways that we cannot fully explain. In genuine conversation, in pure motives, embraced diversity, a thoughtful gift, true worship, a joyful song, broken bread, a cup poured out, at the dinner table, a holy mystery. On the first Sunday of the month here at Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, where the unity and love and grace we experience at this table are beyond words. Father Richard Ward said, if you can explain it, then it probably isn't God. I'm grateful that the economy of the kingdom of God doesn't look like the economy of our culture. Here we all have an equal seat at the table, where we are reminded that there is no second-class citizenship among the people of faith. We all come empty, and we all leave filled. Even if only for a moment, 
we become one. We pray for ourselves some of the same things that Jesus prayed for us. We get to experience grace in real, intangible ways. We get to show the world what the gospel looks like. Our book club this morning, this month, is reading the book An Altar in the World by Barbara Brown Taylor. And she writes, Human beings may separate things into as many piles as they wish, separating spirit from flesh, sacred from secular, church from world. But we should not be surprised when God does not recognize the distinctions we make between the two. Today we get to share together that together here at this holy table. And then we get the opportunity to move downstairs and meet together and eat and fellowship around a different table, just as holy. Bread and wine, chicken tenders and lemonade. I pray we find love and unity at the table today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reminder today that at 1230 in the sanctuary, we have a memorial service in honor of Mitch Saranac. We also have our potluck meal today, and you're all invited to join us around the table in the fellowship hall. That is one floor down. You can take the stairs or the elevator. Now, as we go from this place, let us go with the unity of God, the grace of Christ, and the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.